Amen. Now, we ended last week with these two questions. I ask you to think about these this week. Pray about these. Just allow this to sort of soak into your life. The question, am I seeking on my own to do good things for God? Because the truth is, many of us are. Uh, If we're not now, we have in the past, and we might in the future if we're not careful. And secondly, do I need to make adjustments in how I relate to the Holy Spirit in my life? I uh, can tell you that with regard to relating to the Holy Spirit, that what happens oftentimes is that we, we start setting precedence with the way that we relate to the Holy Spirit, and it creates problems in our lives. In other words, we... Uh, everything about human nature uh, revolves around uh, habits. We develop habits. And so, for example, if we develop a pattern in our life of, of feeling convicted by the Holy Spirit, but then uh, not addressing it and pushing it to the side, what happens is that becomes a, a, a habit. It becomes a pattern that develops into our life. Or if we are... Uh, you know, subconsciously, we, we know that we're just partially open to what God might say or certain things we don't want to hear. And then what happens, we, we develop a pattern of dealing with the Holy Spirit in a very uh, unhealthy way, and we quench His work in our lives. And then we develop a habit or a pattern of living a powerless life and believing that that's a Christian life. And so these are why I want us to, to seriously consider this before we have this conversation this morning. Because what happens is when the Word of God begins to ring absolutely true in our hearts, not when we believe it in our heads, but when we believe it and receive it as truth in our hearts, God begins to change things so I want us to look at 2 Chronicles 16, 9. Look at this passage. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Why? Why is God searching throughout the whole earth? To show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. You see... That verse should not scare you. That verse should fill you with excitement and anticipation. But so oftentimes people read that verse and feel scared. Why? Because the voices of a Status-obsessed world are ringing in our heads, filling us with lies, telling us that we don't measure up, telling us that we're, we're not ready, we're not mature, we're not obedient, we're, not, we're just not enough, and we're the exception. It's what we hear in our heads and what we're told. Maybe you're here this morning and you're a teenager and you're thinking, well, that's great, I believe that, but I'm too young. And I say, well, David was 14 when God anointed him the leader of his people. 
Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I'm too seasoned. That's a nice way of saying you're too ancient. It's too late for me. But it wasn't too late for Abraham and Sarah, was it? Maybe you're thinking, I'm disqualified. I'm unworthy. Because of my past. Because of things that have happened in my life. But God chose a murderer named Moses to be the leader of his people in the Old Testament. He picked a prostitute named Rahab. You ask yourself, why would God do these crazy things? Why is God the way that he is? It's because he is an expert at redeeming the runt. You see, if you understand the nature of Jesus as the, the, the master of human transformation, if you understand that, then, then it will make sense to you that he would excel in making the weak and the powerless mighty and effective. Don't you see? The Bible says that he's searching to and fro across the earth. Why? To show himself strong. Don't you see? God's not looking for somebody talented. He's not looking for somebody good-looking or well-spoken or high, highly educated or whatever the case may be. He's looking for somebody who just has a willing heart. That's what he's looking for. And he wants to fill you with the Spirit and use you for his glory. See, he's looking. And this is the point. He's looking. What does that mean? That means we can be found. That, that's an invitation from God. To say, I, I'm looking. And I want to find anyone who wants to be found. So the question is, do you want to be found? Do you want to? Do you want God to find you? You have your listening guide. This, the question that we, we, we should be declaring is that I'm, I'm invited. And it's not dependent on my status or my skill. I am invited to be found by God. To be filled with His Spirit. To be used for His glory. See, the Spirit of God is, is given to sinners... And failures who have learned the beauty of repentance and have come to realize the cleansing power of Jesus' blood in their lives. 
In Zechariah, the prophet says in chapter 4, not by might nor by power, but how? But by my spirit. But by my spirit. See, all of these feelings of inadequacy, they belong there. They're just accomplishing the wrong thing. They're, they're keeping you from God when they should be catapulting us to God. So when we talk about spiritual gifts, if I ask the question, what is your spiritual gift? Well, before we can have that conversation, we gotta, we got to... Make sure that we're answering the question correctly or that we're asking even the right question. What is, what is your spiritual gift? Your spiritual gift is the Holy Spirit. That's the gift. The gift is the Spirit. So the better question is, who is your spiritual gift? Because he's a person. And he's real. And he is. He himself is the indispensable gift of God in our lives. See, the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So the implication is, If you do not have the Spirit in your life, you do not have spiritual gifts. You cannot. The gifts of the Spirit only come through the presence of the Spirit. So spiritual gifts... are something that God gives through His Spirit in, in the presence of our life. So they're bestowed on believers according to the purposes of God and distributed by His sovereign wisdom. You see, that, that we have to make sure that we understand and remember all these things that we've learned. Look at verse 11 there in 1 Corinthians 12. But one and the same Spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. This is so important to understand. So what does this mean? This means that the sovereign heart of God determines our giftedness. The giftedness of every individual that possesses the Spirit God determines that. And so it, it also means that our spiritual gifts, you see, everything, all the language that we use around spiritual gifts to me is wrong. It's all wrong. Because we shouldn't say, what are your spiritual gifts? We should say, who is your spiritual gift? And then we talk about my spiritual gifts. Well, they're not mine. Your spiritual gifts aren't yours. You know, there's a sense in which, yes, they've been entrusted to us. 
but they never really belong to us. I'm just afraid that sometimes the way we speak about things creates a pattern in our life of us sort of disbelieving the reality of how all of this occurs. See, it's, we have to understand, well, well, how do we define a spiritual gift? Here, here you go. Spiritual gifts are an expression of the Holy Spirit doing the Father's will through us. That's a great way to understand a spiritual gift. It's an expression of the Holy Spirit doing the Father's will through us. You see, because they're given through the Spirit as He wills. We don't choose our spiritual gifts. We receive them. We don't get any say-so in it. We don't, we don't play any part in how we're gifted or any, anything like that. See, the fact that you may feel this morning... There's no doubt, there's no doubt people in this room this morning who, who feel like you don't have the talents or the skills necessary to, to do anything worthwhile in the kingdom of God, to make any impact in the kingdom of God. Okay, fine. The fact that you feel like that, I'm... I'm I'm not here this morning to tell you that you don't feel like that. If you feel like that, okay, fine. I'm here this morning to tell you that that is irrelevant. It's irrelevant. It is irrelevant information. It has no bearing on anything. Because to think this way is to think according to the wisdom of this world, not according to what God says. See, when the Spirit is present in our life, it doesn't matter what you can or cannot do. It doesn't matter. So the fact that you feel that way may be true. And really, my point this morning is not to resolve whether or not it's right or wrong that you feel that way. It's irrelevant. I just want you to realize it's irrelevant. I think there's good things about feeling that way. I think that's better than coming to God and thinking that you're great stuff. That's way worse. It's what do you do with that information? Do you allow it to sit in your life and weigh heavily on you and determine the way you see things and move forward? Or do you acknowledge it and say, why, why is this irrelevant information in my life? Why, why do I, I want to make sure I don't dwell on this because it doesn't matter? Because it doesn't matter what I can or cannot do. In fact, when it comes to operating in the Spirit of God and in the power of God, the weaker you actually are, the better it is for God. Yes, he's the one who says in 2 Corinthians 12, 
My strength is made perfect in weakness. In weakness. So when it comes to serving God, when it comes to the operation of spiritual gifts and operating in the Spirit of God, we so oftentimes approach this the wrong way. Do you know what we do? This is what we do. This is what the church has been trained to do. I feel like over the last month, my entire understanding of spiritual giftedness has just been obliterated and reconstructed by Scripture. Pastor Matt and Pastor Brian just shake their head up. There's a stack of books on my desk this high, and the, all it is is on spiritual gifts. It's ridiculous. This is what we do. We've been trained to do this. It's crazy. We, we start by evaluating what are we good at? What do we like to do? What? Whose idea is that? We figure that our ta the talents that we have, well, God gave us these talents, and so I'm going to offer them back to God. All right, but why are you mingling that into this conversation of spiritual gifts? What has that got to do with anything? And so what ends up happening is, is that most people end up operating in the power of their talents. According to their own ability. And what's the result? Well, the result is we don't need to rely upon the Holy Spirit. Because, you see, the church is not a place for talented people to make an impact in the kingdom of God. It's a place for Spirit-filled people, spirit-dependent people to make an impact for the kingdom of God. That's what it's for. See, we start operating in this confidence of our own abilities, and then we're under this delusion that somehow we're using our spiritual gifts when we're a million miles away from them. And this is, what, this is why when the world oftentimes looks at the church, what they see is a lot of people doing good things. Just a lot of people doing good things, working through their own strength. They don't see. Oftentimes the church as people operating in supernatural power, doing supernatural things. Doing things that apart from the presence of God in their life, they couldn't do. They would never do. You see? So oftentimes we just take whatever we're good at in the world and we just bring it in here and we start being good at it as if that's what. Well, you were good at that when you were lost. Right? Okay. I'm not saying that that's not your spiritual gift. I'm saying that's not how you find it. You don't find your spiritual gift by looking at your lost life and going, now let's see, what about my lost life is going to indicate to me New creation. 
The old has passed away. Behold, all things are new. Remember that conversation last week? I mean, it's true that God's created each of us with unique abilities. And sure, He does want to use those. Sure. But that's not this conversation. we got to remember that He's far more interested in us knowing Him than He is in us knowing our abilities. Have you ever noticed that in the Gospels, there's zero mention, zero mention of Jesus' abilities? You ever notice that? You ever notice the Bible never says, and, that, look, and Jesus walked in, and he was strong, and Jesus was gifted, and Jesus was, it never says that. There's zero mention. You know why? Because he never relied on his abilities. What does the Bible say? You look at Luke chapter 4. All right, the perfect example. Jesus, just boom, boom, boom. He's led into the wilderness. Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Then the next thing, Jesus returns in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. He's led out by the Spirit. He returns in the Spirit. Then the first thing he does... He goes to the the synagogue on the Sabbath. The first words out of his mouth teaching the Word of God, Isaiah 64. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He, the Spirit, has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. That's what he did. You see that? That's just one little tiny simple example. So the million dollar question this morning, the million dollar question. that we all are asking or need to be asking is, well, how do I find my spiritual gift? How do I find that? Okay. Well, the short answer is, the answer nobody wants to hear is, serve. That's how you find it. You find it through service and here's why because God's equipping always follows God's assignment always it never goes in reverse the enabling power of the Holy Spirit follows the assignment so here's what that means the implication of that means is that if we're not willing to obey the Lord and do His will, then there's no need for Him to give us gifts. Is there? Mm-mm. Remember, God's searching the, the surface of the earth, looking for those who are loyal to Him. He wants to show Himself powerful. If you're unwilling, well, then there's no reason for Him to give you gifts. Reveal Him to you, use you. The Holy Spirit's major assignment is to bring harmony into our lives. Harmony with God's activity so He can accomplish accomplish His Father's will through us. That's what it's all about. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 11, you see that there? But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Remember, as He wills. You got that? So the God's gifts 
are for God's church according to God's will. God's gifts are for God's church according to God's will. So God's never going to assign you or me to do something that won't benefit the body, that won't benefit his family, his people. All, it's always that way. Verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 12. But the manifestation of the Spirit, this was last week, is given to each one for the profit of all. So if it's not for the profit of all, it's not a spiritual gift. If it's for the profit of you, it's not a spiritual gift. Every gift has been, been given to us to be shared within the life of God's people. So see, what happens is we have an assignment. So our assignment is discovered in opportunity. And then it's confirmed in our community. That's how this works. I don't know, we froze up. Next slide, 32. So our assignment is discovered in opportunity and confirmed in our community. Can you advance the slide? There you go, because none of these people can spell. And they don't have that little red line that goes like that underneath it, you know. I couldn't write anything without that red line. So, so it's through our, our, our assignment, which is discovered in opportunity. It's opportunity. So we serve. Well, what is service? What's the definition of service? All service is defined very simply. Service is putting others' needs before your own. That's service. Putting others' needs before your own. Any act of service is putting others' needs before your own. It's not complicated. And what God does is, when we start to do this, you see, God begins to, to shift our assignment sometimes. He begins to move according to the needs of His church. You see, because it's very clear when you understand why God does what He does. And when you, when you let Scripture define your understanding of something, then it becomes very clear what's going on. God gifts, gifts us all, every one of us. Every saved person is gifted for the benefit of the body, for the profit of us all. And so as the body changes as the needs of the body change well what happens God shifts assignments or he brings in new people shifts assignments he's always working so the see the spirit of God is the one in control so it's not you know 10 years ago you might have been gifted to do something and that might be still the same today or it might not be that's not up to you that's up to him that depends on because the, the church is constantly shifting. The needs are changing. That's why I said last week our takeaway from chapter 14. When we ended 14, our takeaway was let's evaluate our motives and worship. Are we coming to church thinking about ourselves? Are we coming to church thinking about other people? 
So my question for you this morning is this. Next slide. Whose needs in the church am I putting before my own? Whose needs in the church am I putting before my own? I'm going to give you a real-time, real-life example of this in our fellowship right now. I'm going to invite Frank Heinrich to come up here and say a few words to you. Uh-oh, he's got notes. Good morning. Um, many of you, my name is Frank Heinrich. Many of you know me. Uh, many of you may not know me. But I've had the tremendous privilege of serving as an elder here in this congregation for quite a few years. And uh, I've had an opportunity to, to watch God work for quite a few years in this congregation. And God certainly has his hand on us. As you know, we've been extremely blessed here at Michael Memorial to see God do so many things, amazing things among us. They're too numerous to mention now, but one of those blessings was the opportunity to plant Harbor City Church back in 2018. We knew going in that church planting is not an easy task. It's hard work, and it's not for the faint of heart. And many church plants fail within the first four years after the plant. But I'm happy to report this morning that four years later, Harbor City is alive and well and continuing to reach new and unchurched people for the glory of God. But in that process, we lost a pastor. Brother Rod uh, left us at that point in time, and uh, Harbor City gained a, a, a tremendous uh, shepherd to lead them forward. But as we lost the pastor, one of the most important functions for the elders is to work closely with the pastors and to assist them in shepherding the flock. Many folks are not even aware of how much uh, burden is on a pastor and pastors. Since the launch of Harbor City, we have operated without an associate pastor. Although the elders and the staff have all worked diligently over the last four years to go the extra mile and pick up as much slack as possible of the workload, Brother Tony has been the one who has had to shoulder most of the burden. Just for information purposes, in the typical Southern Baptist church, the ratio of staff to church members is one full-time staff member for every 76 people. We're not even close to that. So in a time when so many pastors are facing burnout, 
and leaving the ministry, this has become one of our greatest concerns. We don't want that happening to our pastor. I'm happy to announce this morning that we believe wholeheartedly that God has once again answered our prayers to provide Tony with the, the help that he needs to continue to lead us for years to come. So I'm going to ask Pastor Brian to come up and share how God has answered our prayers. I would, uh, I would agree. I have my own mic. We're good. And I have my own notes. So we're, we're good. Thanks, Frank. Uh, I would agree with everything that's just been said. Uh, it's, I mean, it has been obvious to us for a long time that Tony needs help. It has been so clear, and it's been obvious to the elders of this church. It's been obvious to Matt and myself. And uh, and the thing is, is for for me and Matt, we don't have any we don't have any margin to do the things that Tony needs help with. I mean, uh, with student ministry consumes all of my time and that's the way that it that's the way that it should be um i i have poured my heart and soul for almost 12 years now i've poured my heart and soul into the student ministry here at this church and i uh when when i surrender my life to to full-time ministry um i didn't just surrender to just a full-time ministry i knew without a shadow of a doubt that god was calling me specifically to student ministry to love and to serve the students at this church. And, and so when he did that, uh, I said yes. And that was a, uh, you know, a scary thing for me because honestly, if I'm just being honest with you, I never thought in a hundred years that God would call me to ministry. And then I never thought in a million years that God would call me to anything other than student ministry. I believed that I was going to serve in student ministry here uh, as long as I was alive, as long as I could. And, uh, but then Tony, um, you know, every couple, uh, well, once or twice a year for the last, I can't remember how many years, Tony would always ask me the question. He, he would say, hey, so how are you doing? How are things going, Brian? Like student ministry, you feel, still feel called to student ministry? You feel like this is where you're supposed to be? You feel, and, and without hesitation, I mean, every time that he would ask me over and over and over again, the answer would always be a resounding yes. Like, yes, this is this is what I'm called to do. This is everything, you know, that God wants for me. And then a couple years ago, something began to change. And I, I don't know how to describe that. Um, I just know that, and it took a while for me to sort through all of that because uh, I love the students here at this church. Like I, uh, not only have I been student pastor for almost 12 years, but I've I've served in student ministry for, I think, just thinking back over things, I think for eight years before that. So for almost 20 years, I've given everything to the students of this, this church. And so, like, for me to sort through that and, like, my love and my desire for these kids and for my love and desire for student ministry in, in general. And so, like, it, it's really been this, you know, for, for two years. And then, you know, Tony asked that question, and I'm like, for the first time, there was hesitation. And I didn't really know how to answer that. And then we just began to talk, and we began to pray. And this has been my philosophy um, from early on in my walk with Christ. My philosophy has always been that I am going to be committed to be obedient to do 
whatever it is that God calls me to do, no matter how scary it may be, no matter how hard it may be, no matter how uncomfortable it may make me, my, my commitment is to say yes to whatever it is that God has called me to do. And, and that's the thing. That, and here's the thing. That's what led me to ministry in the first place. And it still applies to me just as much today as it did the day that I surrendered my life to Christ, the day that I surrendered my life to ministry. It, it applies just as much today. And it's the thing that I challenge students with all the time. I challenge students to, hey, you, you will never regret obedience. You've probably heard students say that in baptism videos over and over. You will never regret obedience. And our response, no matter what it is or how hard, is to say yes to whatever it is that God calls us to do. And I believe uh, over, the last of the last, over the course of the last couple of years that what God has done is he's made it clear to myself, um, to the leadership at this church, that he has a new role for me. And I'm just going to be honest with you. That's hard to say. But it's not my idea. See, what, the reason why that's so hard to say those aren't just students to me. Those are my kids. Maybe you've heard, uh, we'll lighten the mood just a little bit here. Maybe you've heard students walking past me in the hallway and they say, hey Brad, and you're like, do they not even know their pastor's name? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's Brian. And I don't have time to fill you in on the whole story of how that came to be, but Brad comes from Brian and Dad. And when you combine the two, you get Brad. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't see them as just students. Those are my kids, and I love them. And, and they love me, and, like, it's something special. And, and not just that, but, like, the leaders that I serve with, I mean, some of the leaders in the student ministry I've served with for decades. Like, and so it's not just, they're not just leaders, they're family. And so this, for me, is more than just, hey, like, I'm, like, but I've, again, God has made it really clear and the thing is, is growth is often, growth is often uncomfortable, right? Change is hard, but God calls us to do hard things. Like he calls us to do hard things and he calls us to walk in obedience. And the thing is, is I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. God saved me in this church. God called me to ministry here in this church. You're my family. This is this is home, and I believe he's been preparing me and calling me for a new role within this fellowship, but this is home. This is, you're my family, and this is the only church that I've ever been a member of my entire life. That's it, and God willing, that's how it'll be until I breathe my last breath. Like, I love and serve, want to serve the people here in this fellowship, and so then the question is, is, and I'll let Tony come up and kind of talk a little bit more about this, but then the question is, okay, well, I know many of you in the room, students in the room, parents in the room, like, well, what about the student ministry? What about the student ministry? 
Well, just as Tony just mentioned, like, as God's been preparing me for something new, He's been preparing someone else for something new at the same time. That's what He does. It's not like He's going to call me to something else and then leave this, leave the students over there without a shepherd, without someone to care for them. That's not who He is. And I can promise you that's not who I am. I'm not about to step into a new role and leave them without a shepherd. That's not what the leadership at this church is about. That's not who we are. And so I believe that God has provided uh, not just someone, but someone that we know. Someone that really God has been, as he's been shifting my heart and preparing my heart for this new role, he's been working in their heart as well uh, before we even started having conversations. And so God has been at work. This is something that has taken place over the course of years, God working in the hearts of everybody involved. And let me end by saying this, that this would not even be a conversation. This would not be a conversation if I didn't wholeheartedly believe that God was in this. I can promise you. And secondly, this would not be a conversation if I didn't have full confidence in the candidate and the person in which we're looking at. If I didn't trust the person who's going to be ministering, shepherding those students, I'd do it 10 more years. I'd do it 10 more years. And so I can, with a resounding yes, say that I have full confidence that God is in this and I have full confidence in the, the person we're looking at to step into that role. And let me, let me end by saying this. I love you. I mean that. Like, I love you. I love this church. And I look forward to the opportunity to love and serve you just in a new, in a new way. my wife always tells me that I need help, but that's not the kind of help she means. I, uh, listen, um, there's a lot of uh, details. It's been a long journey. We were, uh, you know, suffered through the, the seeming wilderness of uh, COVID and all the things that came with that. Um, just prior to, uh, you know, this whole pandemic situation, uh, I felt like I was on my last leg and, uh, you know, just too much. And, um, you know, I tried to, to find uh, a search high and low for a, for a somebody suitable to come and to serve beside me and to help in the journey uh, but you know it just wasn't to be it just it never it just didn't feel right it just wasn't you know just wasn't God wasn't in it and uh, so for four years I feel like four years of uh, in a lot of ways for me has been wilderness kind of you know and uh there's been times of seasons of frustration with God, like, come on, Lord. Like, I need help here. Four years. 
you know, two years, three years, you know. But in his providence and wisdom, you know, that day that I asked Brian, I said, Brian, you know, the same question I've asked him. And actually, the question has always been, not do you still feel called to student ministry? The question is, do you feel called to student ministry for the next five years? Because I don't think of anything in short term around here. So uh, he hesitated and he had that look. And you have to remember something that I know the question to ask because I walked in his shoes before he walked in his shoes. See, he's just following in my footsteps. I've already been through that whole scenario where you spend your life over there in that building pouring into students and then, you know, God shifts you over to here and then you stand up here and you, 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 some of those students are now grown, raising their own kids here. and Yeah. And so I've already been through that. And so I know how challenging it could be. So when he hesitated, man, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I knew God was in it because if there's anybody in this world that would be the best associate pastor you could ever imagine, it would be Brian Yates. And I knew God was working. So in the process of that, we began uh, just, you know, praying, searching. And, you know, for, we're different than most places. We don't just, uh, we don't search like other churches search. Doesn't mean that what they do isn't right or what we do is better or it's just the way that we're put together. You know, we tell the Lord, this is his church, and we're his servants, and he's going to do according to his will. And, you know, I, I don't think that it's, I don't believe that a church should, should search for a pastor. Anything about the way a church searches for a pastor should look zero like the way the world searches for an employee. Let me say that. I do not believe that. And so that's, we don't do that. And so we just trust God and search that way and start talking to people and one thing leads to another. And lo and behold, as should be expected, the way God works around here, uh, he likes to work from within. So, uh, you know, we've had conversations with, we have a lot of people that have grown up here and gone into ministry. And we've had a lot of people who have grown up here and married into ministry. And one of those people is... Uh, Destiny Atkinson, and when she came here, I remember the first day she walked on campus. She was invited by another student, and man, God worked in her life, and she got saved, and then her parents came, and then they got saved, and they got involved, and one thing led to another, and she, for years, I called her uh, DA, that's her initials, daughter by adoption. Then I got the privilege to marry her to a young man named Chandler and uh, who was called to go into seminary and I was so excited and so as he went into ministry and they went into ministry together it was it was just an exciting time and then 
one thing led to another, and God just began to work in all this situation. And we, uh, we already knew that, that uh, this was the direction that God was leading us, but we needed confirmation. So we, we uh, had him down. We spent the day with him. Me and Pastor Matt and Pastor Brian spent the day with him. And then some of you students and parents know you were over there. Uh, he preached on a Wednesday night. And uh, so, you know, we've invited him to come and speak at Victory Weekend. We believe he's the man to come and uh, lead our student ministry. We feel like it's, uh, he's, part, he's already part of our family. And we know him. We know his wife. We know their character. We know his ability and his training and so on and so forth. And, and he feels the same way. And so, um, so here's what it looks like going forward. First of all, it's going to be a slow process. Uh, Pastor Brian is not going to be changing anything until the end of the summer. Um, this coming Wednesday night, he's going to have a question and answer time during the youth service. So for all students and parents who want to ask questions this Wednesday night, uh, that's going to happen. Uh, the last Wednesday of this month we, is our next scheduled family business meeting, so we can vote then to affirm bringing Chandler Key on as student pastor, and then Brian will, will stay and work. They'll work together all through the summer, all through all the camps and activities and things that are going on all through the summer. And then when the fall, when school starts up, um, the light at the end of the tunnel will finally reach me amen so that's I just wanted you to hear that that way because I want you to understand that this is not just a conversation about spiritual gifts we're having this morning this is a it's the life that we live we're living this here and it's how God gifts us and works in us and moves through us and all of these things and I just want you to understand that doesn't always go the way we think it will or hope it will or want it to or whatever the case may be, but it goes according to the way God wants it to. And I always want it to go the way God wants it to go. I just don't always know that until I get there. I'm just being honest. I'm just like you. But I don't know if there's any way I could be more excited about moving forward than I am right now. So, let's finish. In the book of Romans, chapter 12, there's a conversation about spiritual gifts. And this is how the Apostle Paul introduces a conversation about spiritual gifts. You want to you discover spiritual gifts? You want to know your spiritual gifts? You want to have a conversation about spiritual gifts? Here's how it's introduced, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. See, he says living sacrifice, not an Old Testament one-time dead sacrifice, but a New Testament living sacrifice. So you're continually sacrificing yourself and you present your whole self as a living sacrifice that's how you enter a conversation about spiritual gifts then 
the next verse, he says, Do not be conformed to the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that which is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. See, spiritual gifts always go according to the will of God. And so you can't operate in a spiritual gift without operating in the will of God. And if you want to prove the perfect, acceptable will of God, you do so by transforming your mind, by renewing your mind with Scripture, by living according to not how we feel or how we think, but, but how the Bible tells us it is. And so, the end of this conversation is very simple, leading you from now into next Sunday morning. If you want God to use you, stop praying for God to use you and become usable. Get usable. Present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. It's your reasonable service. Stop thinking like the world. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll know the will of God, and you'll know. You'll know. It's not complicated. Service is always putting other people before yourself. What would happen if all of us in this room together, every Sunday, before we ever got on this campus, as we were preparing to approach this time, we were already in the mindset of, we're going to put other people, all of us, I'm putting other people's needs before my own. Whose needs can I put before my own today? Whose needs can I put before my own today? Let's stand and bow our heads.